I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group one of the best digital asset, event, and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. You won't be disappointed. Welcome back to Baselayer. This is David, and this is your new episode with Adam Jackson, the founder and CEO at Braintrust. Adam is really special. He is a multi-time founder and he is the founder of one of the companies that I've been watching for a very long time, Doctor On Demand, which in light of COVID has become a really important piece of our society. This idea of telemedicine, where we've seen other companies like One Medical and Teladoc start to become very big. Doctor On Demand had that program in place in around 2012, where if you wanted to speak to a doctor or a nurse and you didn't want to go to a doctor's office, you could do that ingenious and it has become something that has become so critical in the days of COVID that we actually have systems like that. And so Adam and I had a great conversation about what Brain Trust is. This is a new company he started. And I like this. I'm going to read this real quick. We believe there's a better way to think about work, a model that benefits both enterprises and talent alike. At Brain Trust, we've built our user-controlled talent network on the basis that everyone should be treated fairly. And so there's this idea of Upwork and TopTool where you have needs of you know the demand side and the supply side. People need projects done. And so Braintrust is a place where you have all of those people that are kind of meeting on a platform. There are interesting utilizations of blockchains. Um, and so this is a great way that it's bridging both kind of the traditional world of where we've seen kind of the new gig economy with things that are happening within digital assets and blockchains super interesting and adam is so talented so this is a great episode remember nothing on the show is investment advice and please do your own research and on the flip side you're gonna hear a great conversation with adam jackson take care This is David, and this is your new episode of Baselayer. I have Adam Jackson, who is the co-founder and CEO of Braintrust. Braintrust is the first user-controlled talent network that connects enterprises with the highly skilled technical and design talent that they need. And you may be asking, well, David, you usually have people on here that are talking about digital assets and blockchains and things of that nature. Well, there is obviously a very good reason why Adam and Braintrust are on here. We're going to talk about how they're all doing what they're doing. And so uh, before we get too far into the weeds on Brain Trust and all the good things that Adam and his team are doing, what we'd like to do is pull it back and figure out what Adam did before that. And so if you could uh, give us a little bit of a background, because there is a very big thing that you did a few years back, which is change the world in the world of COVID, where we have all been relying on telemedicine these days. You were one of the first to do that. So give us a little background about yourself and then bring us up to speed about Brain Trust. 
Yeah, you bet. Uh, David, thanks for having me. I've uh, been a, show of the, I'm a fan of the show for a while here, so uh, fun to talk to you today. Um, so my quick background, I'm a software engineer by training, did a computer science degree at Vanderbilt, moved out here to the San Francisco Bay Area, right out of school, uh, sort of a software engineer turned entrepreneur. Um, Brain Trust is my, my fourth marketplace business. Um, I've, had, I've started four marketplaces all in different categories, and we'll get to the medical one in a second. Uh, my first was a local shopping e-commerce system that was acquired by Intuit. Uh, the second was an automotive marketplace that connected car owners with mechanics that had room for them. And that was acquired by Advanced Auto Parts. And then in 2012, I got to meet, uh, I got a call from this interesting guy named Jay McGraw and his dad, who's called Phil McGraw, better known as Dr. Phil from daytime television. Oh, yeah. And these guys are prolific serial entrepreneurs on television uh, and books and many other things. But, you know, Dr. Phil's best known mm-hmm. for his TV show and, and Jay is a really talented uh, television producer, among other things. They had an idea. This is back in 2012 when it was kind of there's an app for that craze was mm-hmm. taking over. Uh, they had an idea, you know. The, the, there's a, such an access problem to primary medical care in the United States. You know, there's you, most people wait weeks and weeks to get a PCP appointment, primary mm-hmm. care physician, uh, urgent cares have these abysmal eight, 10, 12 hour waits, emergency rooms are even worse. Um, what if we could, you know, build a, a really easy to use app and staff it with great doctors and then, you know, talk about it on our TV shows and, and make, give people a better option for getting access to primary care. And, um, and they called me and we had the same lawyer at Fenwick. That's how we met. Hmm. Um, and Fenwick's been billing me for it ever since, but uh, <laughs> much love though. Uh, and so they called me and I said, look guys, I don't know anything about healthcare other than the, the consumer experience is terrible. Um, but you know, you guys are amazing and I'd love to dig into this with you. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's how we, how we got started in 2012. Well, and the name of that company was Doctor On Demand. And so for those that have not heard of that, is that correct? That was Doctor On Demand? Was and still is Doctor On Demand, yep. That's right. And so for those that are living in this kind of post-COVID world, that has become this model has become basically a lifesaver for many out there. There have been many iterations on it. You know, the idea of being able to use your phone or your computer and be able to telephonically on the on your on your device and be able to communicate and be able to see a doctor or a registered nurse they can run some diagnostics on you you don't have to go into the doctor's office which obviously many of us could not and still can't you don't have to go to a hospital they can run some preliminary tests on you this was revolutionary and so when i know that adam was going to be coming on the show i was giddy because this is you know when you look at what's grown out of Teladoc and all these other different ones, One Medical, this was one of the first out there. And, you know, this was a, a real game changer. And so, you know, that was just massive. And so thank you for obviously, you know, working on that and putting it to market. It's been something that has helped a lot of people. Um, and so let's shift to brain trust. Um, and so if you had to, in a one-minute kind of description, if on a very high level, how would you describe Brain Trust? Yeah, so Brain Trust is a marketplace, a global talent marketplace that connects two very specific parties together. Uh, on the talent or supply side, it's very experienced 
product managers, engineers, UX designers, and on the demand or the client side, it's generally US Fortune 1000 enterprise clients, right? So these are folks that typically can't, or they're very difficult to hire in-house. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're very, very highly paid in the Bay Area and they're basically non-existent, mm-hmm. uh, you know, between here and Brooklyn. So um, the, the, the idea of connecting these, t- these two parties is not new. What is new is our business model and our ownership and control model. Right. So most marketplaces or agencies that connect these two parties, their job is to take as much of a, tr- of a transaction fee or markup mm-hmm. as possible. And that's usually around 40, 50, 60% markup. Right. Um, in our model, we completely invert it. We uh, charge 0% fees to the talent and a mm-hmm. flat 10% to the client. And we are completely owned or will be completely owned and controlled by our users. So right. it's a, it, it, we're on path to be a fully user-owned and controlled decentralized talent network. Right. And so this business model of, you know, cutting out the middleman, the rent seeker, again, as I mentioned at the onset, there is a reason why we're talking because you are deploying uh, technology in the distributed and decentralized world. And so the model of cutting out the middleman, the rent seeker and keeping incentives aligned is uniquely enabled by this. And so, as you alluded to, it's cutting the costs and it's giving people more value. And so I want to get into the technicals here. Um, So we have an idea of kind of the marketplace that you've built there. Uh, But let's get into actually the technicals of how this all works. So, again, we are using uh, a chain here. We're using a distributed and decentralized architecture. Um, And so if there is, you know, one chain that you're using, are you using Ethereum? Is it something else? Let's get, you know, kind of at the high level and dig in, like, you know, as I mentioned uh, on the onset, there's also uh, different staking mechanisms and there's different governance things that you're doing there. But at the very onset, let's talk about the chain. What what chain are you using right now to do this? Yeah, you bet. So we are building on Ethereum and we have an ERC-20 compatible token. And so in the staking, it sounded like there was a, a staking mechanism there. And you can describe that a little bit more with the user. Is it a proof of stake mechanism? Is it a delegated proof of stake? And I would love you to opine about this. So, you know, over the last year or so, in some of the different conversations I've had, there's an issue with the economic structure of proof of stake. Some have debated, again, this is debate within the community, that proof of stake can be unfair to those who are economically enable to really participate and stake as much as others. So we'd love to get your sense. So we know it's on Ethereum. And in terms of the staking mechanism, how are you doing the staking mechanism? What does the economic structure look like? Love, love this point. Let me let me start by un- untangling two wires we, we have a little bit tangled here. And that's it's a, it's a very common because the word stake means different things to different people. So in the non-blockchain world, if you stake something, it's almost like it's almost like putting up a bond, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to bid and that's how we're using the term. So so let's use a brain trust real world example. Let's say um, the base layer podcast needs a new app built and it's say a $50,000 job. And so David posts that job brain trust and we have so many qualified candidates that you get 25 bids. Right. This is a very common situation on Upwork and other marketplaces where mm-hmm. you 
overwhelmed with bids and they all have, you know, five stars and whatever. And um, it's very hard to tell, right? Signal from noise. Now, what Brain Trust does to alleviate that problem, and one of the core uses of our B Trust or Brain Trust token, which we call B Trust, is to stake some tokens along with your bid if you're on the talent side. So what that means is, let's say I know I'm a great iOS developer and I can get this job done for David. I'm going to place my bid, but I'm also going to stake some tokens along with it that if I end up being a lousy developer for you and or I'm a no-show or something that I just run away with the money or whatever, I might, I could lose those tokens. I'm essentially mm-hmm. putting my tokens into escrow. So that's what we mean by staking. It's the same as if like a construction firm put up a bond on a job that they mm-hmm. got back when they finished it. Does that make sense? That does. Okay. So, so it's not, so, so when you talk about proof of stake, delegated proof of stake, those are all sort of layer one security functions. And I would call us quote unquote layer three, right? We're a distributed application. It's not, Mm -hmm. not important to us how the underlying chain secures itself. But you asked another really good question though about fairness. Okay. So if, if only, you know, if, if it ends up being that staking more tokens leads to winning more bids in Mm -hmm. competitive bidding environments, then only rich people with lots of tokens are going to win and it's going to become this oligarchy. We were very mindful of that design flaw and decided to make two decisions. One, you can only get tokens. You can only earn tokens by helping us build brain trust. So that might mean actually like physically coding for us, which we have Mm -hmm. You know, hundreds of people working on. Uh, that could mean uh, introducing new talent, referring talent, referring clients, vetting people, like anything you're going to do to help our marketplace, you're going to get paid brain trust tokens for it. The second decision, so so that way, like the, the quote unquote rich people with lots of brain trust tokens, well, they, they deserve it to be, right? Because they did a lot to help the network. The second decision is we're not going to allow anyone to deposit tokens, to the network, to, to the, to the, uh, to the network wallets. Mm-hmm. So you can't just go try to buy some somewhere and then deposit them to your account and then kind of, you know, bully your way into winning these jobs. So that, that's our, our sort of token staking design. That's interesting. And so one of the things I wanted to touch on was reputation and reputation systems. So when you have people out there, and again, we're, we're dealing with the, the idea of trustless networks out there and distributed and decentralized networks where we don't necessarily, I don't need to know you, but I just know that you are doing the work for the network to make it work and make it do everything it operationally needs to do. But when you're dealing with this, I would think there would need to be some sort of a system of reputation to ensure that you have good actors. And of course, if there are actors that are not good, that there is negative consequences in in not just much burning their stake, but in, in making sure that they cannot get into the system again. So talk about that. Talk, talk about reputation and the idea of, you know, through negative incentives to make sure that the system is harmonious. For sure. This, this is a big topic for us. So, um, reput- so trustlessness matters a lot on layer one. Right. I mean, Bitcoin's a perfect and most elegant example. You're a good miner. You keep a good copy of the database. You yep. might get rewarded with a black reward. All yep. proof of work systems are like that. With layer three, with dApps, reputation, when, you, when, when it's people on the other end, mm-hmm. reputation means everything. Right. Yep. So um, the way we solve this is you can you create an account 
and you're really not going to get verified. Uh, meaning verify approved means you can, you're approved to start bidding, start mm-hmm. transaction. You're not going to get approved until you do a couple things. One sort of import your work history, your experience, you know, sort of establish like through, you know, linking, uh, proving your LinkedIn profile, your mm-hmm. stack overflow, if you're a designer, your dribble. Um, and then two proving that the skills you are saying you're expert at, you actually are expert. So we've built a peer-to-peer skill vetting system that if you if you attempt it and complete it, we award you tokens and that, that becomes part of your reputation. If you're the guy on the other side and you're the one testing the you know, Python engineers or testing the machine learning people, you, we pay tokens for, for folks helping do that vetting, right? So, so now we've got a nice little token economy going where it doesn't make sense. It doesn't pay to get to try to spoof us, right? Because you're not going to get anything out of it. Like, oh, you're going to, you know, you bid jobs that you're not going to win, right? right. So you, you create you create incentive systems like that um, to and, and, and sort of barriers to entry. But, but the network itself, the users, decide what those barriers are, right? And can vote on them. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And so in this grand scheme of architecture and the things that you've designed here, governance is always an issue. Uh, how do you actually get a distributed and decentralized network of people, miners, you know, things of the nature there that make things run? How do you all get them to work together when you might need to make improvements or you might need to, you know, delegate things? The governance structure would this be very interesting. So talk to us about that. I believe that you're trying to, especially most projects, in this day and age in 2020 are moving towards this, but it seems that from what I've been able to pick up on that, you're looking towards the DAO, as I alluded to, you're working towards a fully decentralized peer review system where talent goes through a blind interview and their peers stake their reputation on allowing them into the network. That seems a little bit more DAO-ish than actually a centralized process. Can you talk a little bit more of the governance side? Absolutely. Yeah. This is, this is one of my favorite topics. It's, it's one of the things I'm most passionate about in this space. And one of the reasons I started this project. So um, we are following this path that I think was most elegantly described by Jesse Walden, who's mm-hmm. an investor over at Andreessen's A16Z Crypto. He wrote this piece called Progressive Decentralization. And it goes something like this. In the beginning, the founding team basically controls everything, right? Mm-hmm. There's no public token. Um, there may not be a token at all. Um, you, you get product market fit. You start to scale. You start to build your community. You refine your token economy. You, you set up those experiments like I just, I just mentioned. Like, mm-hmm. will someone do this for a token? Or will, is this punitive enough for cheating? That, mm-hmm. you know, what, what are your attack vectors? And then you move. You, you progress over time. So eventually... The majority of the token is given away to the community and you're governing through liquid democracy, either you know, a one token, one vote system that may be delegated. Um, and so the point is you need to really like do the hard work while you're still centralized, right? Like, you know, when you start decentralized out the gate, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, every it's leadership through committee, right? We know that doesn't work very well. And so it's this progression over time and in the way we're so, so where we are in this is we are, uh, we're almost two years into this thing right now. We're just now starting to talk publicly about this. This is actually one of the first 
kind of public interviews I'm doing about this. So I'm surprised you know anything about us, David. <laughs> well, go, well done. It's my job. <laughs> yeah, right. I was surprised how much you knew about us. Uh, and so, you know, we're, 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 we've built, we found product market fit. We've, we've built quite, you know, quite a business, uh, you know, very quietly on brain trust with, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of talents and thousands on the wait list and dozens of fortune 1000 companies. But, but the token, we have over a thousand quote unquote token holders. And I say quote unquote, because the token doesn't exist on Ethereum yet. It's still only on, on Robston testnet. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so once, so the governance system we're implementing is actually, and you, you've probably heard about this, uh, recent news, um, there's a, you know, D, the D5 uh, firm protocol, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, uh, compound protocol compound. Yeah. on finance. So the founder there, Robert, is a, he's a good friend and one of our investors in Brain Trust, And, you know, they've just introduced this fascinating, you know, governance token and framework uh, called COMP, right? The mm-hmm. COMP token. So we're, we're actually using that framework and um, and and token voting infrastructure. We're gonna we're just gonna copy it for ourselves. It's open source, um, and so the same way you see folks voting on Compound Finance's product roadmap and rules and future, it's gonna it's it's gonna basically work the same for Brain Trust. Got it. That is really interesting. That is very very interesting and. Again, for those that are listening, this whole idea of governance has been radically innovated over the last few years. It's amazing to see. Uh, we've had some people that are building pro- uh, protocols and deal with governance. And so it is a very interesting uh, world. And it's very important to make these things work uh, sustainably. I think just an interesting question, one that we didn't necessarily prepare for, but I can imagine if I was a family office or an institutional investor that's listening to this and they're really interested in what you're building, a lot of them always ask me, well, how do these companies actually make any money? And so might not be a fair question. Obviously, I know you're building this thing. You're trying to get to product market fit. But at the end of the day, how would you be profitable? Yeah, good, great question. So f- first of all, the goal with the project, the Brain Trust project is not a profit-seeking entity. Okay. Okay, what, what we're here to build, is, I mean, the, the same as, as Ethereum is not a profit-seeking mm-hmm. entity, right? It's, it's trying to solve a problem where the Brave browser and the Bat mm-hmm. token similar, right? Mm-hmm. And so- with brain trust, we're we're building this new protocol, almost this new operating system for how labor and clients can connect. And, mm-hmm. and by reducing the fees to almost zero and destroying the middleman, mm-hmm. it's, we're not we're not like trying to hurt Upwork or like eat top towels lunch or anything like that. We're trying to we're trying to create enable a whole new class of transactions that could have never touched mainstream sort of data uh, uh, marketplaces or agencies. Mm-hmm. So, so you, you don't want to just kill your competitors on price. You want to enable new markets, right? So right. now that and I'm going to get to the profit question here. So you create a protocol that basically now uh, Upwork's average job size is $500. Mm-hmm. Brain Trust's current average job size is $50,000. And it's actually approaching probably by the end of the year. So these are giant, giant software development opportunities that before were just connected on word of mouth very inefficiently. Now, Mm -hmm. where's the profit come in? So there is a 
company, a for-profit company called Freelance Labs that, that I'm a co-founder of, that is the builder. They're the makers of the Brain Trust protocol. Mm. Well, Freelance Labs happens to be a dev shop. I, I you know, sort of had a dev shop on, on the side my whole life, basically. It's how mm-hmm. I put myself through college. So, so we have plenty of folks working on that, and, and they're just like another agency like anybody else. So, so you know, they'll benefit from, right. you know, this new protocol that, you know, but others will too, right? It's, right? it's sort of like we're making a public good. So almost like how, um, uh, you know, so many company, great companies are being built on Ethereum, right? Mm-hmm. That's the business model. Got it. Awesome. That was great. Um, the fun part of the show is that we get to talk to our guests and get to know them a little bit more on the inside. And so the two areas that we'd like to focus in are what you have been reading, if anything. And obviously we've all been kind of in periods of lockdown and quarantine. So maybe you've had some time to read, um, anything you've read recently and any music that you like. Sure. Um, so it's funny. I am like, for, for for many domestic reasons that you can probably relate to, spending a lot more time walking around outside <laughs> than I normally would. Yes. Um, <laughs> fortunately, we can do that. And uh, it's like the only thing we're allowed to do here in Northern California is walk around. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I'm doing a lot of audiobooks. Um, my, my The latest, I mean, I'm doing like one or two a week, but the latest one I just picked up, yeah, I was really inspired by uh, this interview I heard Kara Swisher do on on her Recode Decode podcast with this woman called Frances Frey. Mm. Uh, she, she's a really interesting woman. She she went in and, and kind of cleaned up the culture at Uber mm-hmm. and then went over and, and tried to do the same at WeWork. And, um, and she wrote this book called The Unapologetic Leader's Guide to Empowering Everybody. It's it's a, I, I just started the book, but I it, it's sort of about like, hey, you need to like take diversity and inclusion seriously and not just yeah. have it be like some stupid checkbox. And I, I just think like, with everything going on in the world right now, uh, the, what a, you know, what a timely book. So I, yes. I just picked that up. Okay. That sounds like a book I'm going to have to take a look at as well too. And then music, what do you like? I, I'm currently stuck on user illusion Two from Guns really? N' Roses. <laughs> so I can't tell you why it's just very comforting to me right now. Comforting. I know I, I can imagine that would, you know, if you're walking, you might want to start running if you're listening to that one. Wow, that's that's a good one, though. Window into, a window into my psyche these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I remember I tried to, in my early teens, when I was, you know, trying to learn guitar, I would try to uh, learn the riff from November Rain. And uh, I think I probably drove my mother crazy when I was doing that about 80,000 times. But I think I started getting it, but not as well as Slash. Um, but good stuff. Yes, very hard to do. Where can people learn more about Drain, uh, Brain Trust and get in touch with you guys? Sure. Um, so our website is usebraintrust.com. Uh, on Twitter, I am Adam Jackson SF. Awesome. This was Adam Jackson, the co-founder and CEO at Brain Trust. Again, something out there that is revolutionizing a marketplace and using a blockchain solution to really enable and help more people and get rid of some of that middleman and rent seeker. Adam, thank you for joining us. And hopefully we can touch base with you in about six months and see how things are progressing. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks again for having me.
Thanks for listening in to Base Layer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.